We get into Exodus 5 and 6 this morning, so you can turn there in your Bibles. We have a lot more to learn that's actually way cooler because we're getting into the Word of God. We're going to be taking a look at Exodus 5 and 6. Let my people go. Famous saying we're all familiar with. Simple prayer. Going into today's study, Lord, help us to stop playing church. How many of us have been guilty of it? I'm guilty of it, right? And that's one thing I love about truth, about God's word. It gives us perspective. It gives us truth. I love how we left off in Exodus. I know it's been a little while, but we're back to it. I'm really excited in the chapters to come. Be reading ahead. A lot of neat stuff we get into. But we ended on chapter 4 on this high, high Okay? That's why we built this mountain-looking thing back here where Moses was up on the mountain, the burning bush, meeting with the living God, the great I am. Okay, um, But <laughs> they're still in captivity, right? The children of Israel are in bondage there in Egypt. And guys, Egypt is a picture of the world as we study through. It fits throughout the Bible. Now we get into chapters 5 and 6 this morning. Things go from bad to worse. For any of you hobbit lovers out there, out of the frying pan into the fire. That's what's going on for the children of Israel. And this morning, I hope God's word is applicable to you, into your situations, into your circumstances. Okay, if you want to raise a hand, if you've been in a season of just some hard stuff lately. Okay, some of us two hands. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I love about the Word of God. See, we're going to hit on problems and struggles this morning. Who cry? Who we're crying out to? Who not to? Things that enslave us, wallowing in a pit of despair. Bear, being mad at God and real brokenness, finding freedom and liberty. So strap on your sandals, guys. You ready? Let's take a look at verse 1 here. It says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron, they went in and they told Pharaoh. Now you guys know Pharaoh was the ruler of the world. In the eyes of many, he was deity. He was God on earth, Okay. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast for me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord, lest he fall on us with pestilence and with the sword. And the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor? So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall now no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, 
for they are idle. Therefore, they cry out saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men that they may labor in it and let them not regard false words. And the taskmasters and the people and their officers, they went out and they spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go, get yourselves straw where you can find it. Yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people, they were scattered abroad throughout the land of Egypt to gather uh, stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, who Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today, as before? Guys, this is all about God versus Pharaoh. It's not Moses versus Pharaoh. Okay, it's good versus evil here. First, God starts by giving Pharaoh a real easy request. <laughs> Only three days. Not forever. How many people go? Three days. Go and worship me. You see, all the Hebrews were to take part in the blessing of their freedom. But first, all will take part in their struggles. You guys remember Israel, Jacob, wrestling with God. Israel means struggle or to wrestle. So this starts off in verse 1 by the Lord declaring to Pharaoh, let my people go. Those that belong to God should be free. Do you guys know it's for freedom's sake that Christ came? He who has a son is free indeed. And some of you guys can testify to that. You've been born again. You put your faith in Christ. Okay? You knew you were in bondage. You knew you were a sinner. You knew there was no way out. You had to do it. But you come to Christ and he sets you free. And you're like, whoa, I had no idea I was in that type of bondage. I had no idea I could have this type of freedom in Christ. So we should be free. But oh, wait, all people deserve to be free, right? Right? Isn't that the way God's created things to be? Isn't that his plan, his desire? Until they don't, right? <laughs> Guilty, <laughs> jail, right? Freedom, it is a basic human right. But in order to live with other people, there's always trade-offs between rights and responsibilities. Our most precious right is freedom because freedom allows us to do whatever we want. But if we have complete freedom, it is inevitable that we will get in the way of the freedom of others. Okay, So there needs to be checks and balances. And I love it because if we're doing God's word, the balance is found. Okay, His ways are right and good. Let's take a jump over to the New Testament together. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 for a moment. We love the book of Romans. I would encourage you guys. I know many of you are newer to freedom, but we went through Romans last year. All those teachings are up online. I'd encourage you to do a study through the book of Romans. It is goods. We're going to jump down to verse 18 of chapter 1 together for a moment.
And as we read this, this really is an indictment against all of humanity here. In verse 18, okay, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. You guys know that there's a lot of pagan heathen thought today. It's always been that way, guys. Pharaoh, we see him doing the exact same thing. Well, it says here, it's because they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Well, we don't do that. What are you talking? Suppressing truth? We don't do that. What's truth, by the way? You guys know that everybody has a truth, multiple truths today? Well, is Jesus really the way, the truth, and the life? Is his word truth? Well, that's what he says. Can we believe his word? I sure do. I know many of you guys do. But when it comes to the Lord, what did Pharaoh do? <laughs> I don't know the Lord. What are you talking about? Who's this God? We do the same thing, don't we? We suppress the truth, even as Christians sometimes. Yeah, I know God. <laughs> but you know what? In knowing him, I know there's some responsibility now. I know there's things in the reality of who he is. Now I'm responsible to live a certain way, to believe certain things, to walk my life in a certain path. We suppress truth all the time. We have a world around us that suppresses truth. God is dead, right? That's what we're told. It's crazy. Let's read on a little bit more. Can we really believe that? He says, because what is known of God is manifested in them, for God has shown it to them since the creation. I mean, take a look around. <laughs> Where does creation come from unless there's a creator, right? Of the world and his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Guys, we suppress the truth in such a way we're telling people that nothing blew up and boom! Here's everything from nothing, right? Bacteria to Beethoven, that can actually happen. That's what we're, it's foolishness. We suppress the truth, okay? Creation declares we are without excuse, guys. We're all going to stand before God one day. And it's a bummer that Pharaoh's doing the same thing, Okay? He, this specific pharaoh, actually was into the deity of crocodiles. Did you guys know that? They worshipped crocodiles. They had the big Nile River there. So you guys can read on there in Romans. We go on to worship creation. That's what happens when we suppress truth. And what happens when truth is suppressed? Well, we begin to believe stupid things. We find ourselves in bondage. And look at what has happened. You know, we teach lies and we look at the effects of it in the world today. There's so many things that we have backwards today, even in society. You know, are boys really boys? Are girls really girls? Is marriage this? Is this right? Is that wrong? You know, well, I'm offended by this. I'm offended by that. Everybody's offended. I'm offended by people being offended. <laughs> Does anybody care? Not really but I'm not a big mouth about it. <laughs> it's just crazy how backwards the world is, and it's because we suppress the truth. We don't want truth. We don't even want to reason with God, and that's what we see with Pharaoh doing here. Who's God? Forget it. Get back to slavery. You want freedom? You want to worship God? I'm not allowing it. And that's what the world is doing today. You know, you Christians, shut up. 
Stop worshiping your God. That is wrong. I don't know about you guys. I'm so blessed to live in a country where we have religious freedom. Do you guys know a lot of brothers and sisters are gathering around the world today in secret? Okay? They would be killed if they were found doing what we're doing right now. That is a reality for a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ. So, freedom's a good thing. Would you guys agree? Yet God was after not just freedom, but religious freedom. That's what I'm seeing in this chapter here. That they may hold a feast for me in the wilderness. That was his desire. Let's go back to Exodus. We're going to pick up now in verse 15. We're going to see the problems now from the people. We just saw problems from Pharaoh. Now we're going to see the problems from people. Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing with us, or thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants that they say to us, Make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten. But the fault is of your own people. But he said, You are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work. And no straw shall be given to you. Okay, this is like literally the last straw, right? (laughs) You guys are done. And then he goes and he says, Yet it shall be, you shall be delivering your quota of bricks. And verse 19, the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any of the bricks from your daily quota. Then they came out to Pharaoh and they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put the sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses, I love verse 22, he returned where? To the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered or your people your people at all. So they're really blinded to the truth here. Do you guys see what's going on with the people? They don't get what is going on. They thought the lack of straw was due to the laziness on part of the Egyptians. Now they realize, if you look at verses 17 and 18, somebody came and they talked to Pharaoh about leaving Egypt to worship Yahweh. And what did they do? They tripped. And they started blaming, you want us to leave Moses? God's speaking to you? Now all this extra work we have. And what did he do? They cried to Pharaoh. Did you guys catch that? I think that's the thing that stuck out to me more than anything in studying these two chapters. The children of God cried out to who? The ruler of the land. Wait, they cried to Pharaoh. They weren't crying to Moses. They weren't crying to God. So don't we do the same thing, guys? All through scripture, we see people cry out to the Lord. And, when he, and then he responds. But instead, here we see they cry out to the one who keeps them in bondage. How backwards is that? Mr. President, 
crying out to you. <laughs> you make the change. Big government, help me. <laughs> Don't you see what's wrong? Things need to change. As the people of God, who should we be crying out to? Cry out to the Lord. We had a national day of prayer on Thursday. How many people in the church actually went and prayed for our nation? I would say probably very few Christians got on their knees and really cried out on behalf of our nation to the Lord. You see, guys, we have the tendency to do the same. Um, it's like somebody struggling with an addiction, let's say, or something, completely enslaved to it, yet crying out to it for freedom. Do you guys understand how backwards that gets? Okay, Pharaoh is the one who's enslaved them. Let my people go. That's about freedom. Why did Jesus come, guys? You can jot down Luke 4.18. He came. The Father has sent me to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. Okay? That's why he came. Jesus told Pilate. Pilate asked him, why did you come? I, I, I came to bear witness to the truth. You guys understand we are all in spiritual bondage. We are all headed for hell. We have rebelled against God. We have broken the law. We are all sinners. And Jesus came and he spoke of hell and of heaven and the truth of who he is and why he came. And the truth is, guys, we need him. He's the one who's going to set us free. He's the one that we cry out to and we find true freedom. And he's talking here in Luke about spiritual freedom. A lot of people don't even know they're spiritually dead. They're just blind to that. And that's what happens when we suppress the truth. How many people actually seek God or the claims of God? I mean, the best-selling book of all time, right? Okay, most people I talk to have never read it. Why? Because this is the last thing Satan wants anybody doing. You know, actually reason with God? And we'll teach anything in schools, <laughs> except this. 1957, they took Bibles out of schools. Did you guys know that? You guys know the Bible was the first book we printed here in the States? Do you know why we printed it? So we'd have something to teach our kids how to read. This is how you're going to learn to read. We're going to use the scriptures. You're going to learn about God. But in 1957, you guys can do a study about our history here in the nations. We take the Bible out of school. Man, <laughs> crime, divorce, everything, you know? Just off the, just skyrocketed. Well, what happened? Why did everything change right then in 1957? Things were gradually getting worse, but it skyrocketed in 57. Well, it took away God. We took away speaking the truth to that generation. And we're reaping the consequences of it today. So, what are they doing here? <laughs> They're crying out to the one who enslaved them. But like Pharaoh, guys, let's think about this a little more. A substance that we're addicted to or that which enslaves us, you know, like the even darker sins maybe of unforgiveness or bitterness, they all cry out, no way. So I'm not letting you go. You're mine. And it's looking you right in the eye this morning saying, hey, I want you forever. And people choose to live in it. So don't cry out, oh, substance, or oh, anxiety. You know, won't you help? Okay? Calm my nerves, please. Help my soul. There is no help there. 
Do you guys know that? I've done a lot of counseling over the years. People who know the truth of the word know the Lord, and yet they want to go and cry out to these things instead of God himself. And God's the only one who can set us free, guys. Oh, it feels like it when we're temporarily in pain or whatever we're going through. You know, well, those things might numb us for a time, but they don't set us free. They just bring us into more bondage. So, whatever holds you in bondage, it's not your friend, guys. It hates you. It's kind of sometimes people suffer from what I call spiritual Stockholm Syndrome. It's that emotional bond that someone forms between their captor and captive. People just hold on to that. And they have the hardest time breaking free. But that's why we got to take the word. Believe it. Trust it. And we'll be set free. This morning at prayer, we read a part of Psalm 107. And what I love in Psalm 107, guys, four times we see they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Sometimes that's deliverance from God. It can come immediately. Sometimes it's delayed. Sometimes God may use a counselor. Sometimes God places you maybe in a small group or a support group, okay, with people who have experienced the same things. But we look here, I mean, look at verse 21, okay? Stinky foreman, right? Stink. To cause to have an offensive or bad odor. Often, you know, abstractly of making someone offensive to someone else. I think we can safely say, guys, they weren't happy with Moses and Aaron here, were they? What did you guys just do? The work's already hard. <laughs> now because of you two big mouths, <laughs> the work's going to be that much more. So they were righteously indignant here. Um, and they were certain that God was on their side. Nope, God's with us on this one, Mo. <laughs> you blew it. Anything that made the immediate condition of Israel worse, it was not the Lord. And yet God was saying, everything is going on according to plan. That's one thing I love. Okay, sometimes we can you know, discern and see what God's up to. And you're like, what is going on? Like, I see your hand in this, but it sure ain't working out the way it should be right now. You guys know that God's doing things that we don't even see sometimes? Okay. He's up to much. Okay, so here, maybe this is God's word to you today. You know, everything is going on according to plan. Sure doesn't seem like it. Yeah, I've had a lot of those seasons, guys. A lot of them. And God worked them out. <laughs> Even the bad stuff, he has a way of working out for good. I don't know how that's possible, but that's how big our God is, okay? Hindsight says so. So have you ever cried out to God and immediately <laughs> he's delivered? He was there. He spoke. I love when that happens. Have you ever cried out to God and immediately things got worse? I've been there too. <laughs> really? <laughs> God, I'm crying out. Help, Lord. Things are not getting better. They're getting worse. What's going on? I think we've all gone through that. 
So if we look at verses 22 and 23, really they're wallowing in this pit of despair here. They go from bad to worser. Yeah, worser is going to be a word this morning because that's what's happening to these guys. Moses, I did everything you told me and I got worse. I'm obeying you. So, isn't that frustrating sometimes? Lord, I'm doing what you're asking me to do. And it's just getting worse. So, he questions the goodness of God. Did you guys catch that? Why have you done this evil? Okay. And then he questions the purpose of God. Why did you ever send me? Why would you even have me go speak that? If that's what's going to, what's the point? Why God? So he questions the actions of God, okay? And you haven't done anything. Where are you? Really is Moses complaining here. So Moses really reminds me a lot of me. Of us, right? So when you're stuck sinking in a bad situation, it is good for us to remember God's sovereignty. Do you guys know that he's still on the throne? Okay. Do you know that he's still good? Goodness, right? Power, justice, compassion, love, nearness. A lot of people say, hey, pastor, you should be tripping out a little more. Don't you not see what's going on in the world? Brother, sister, do you not see our God? Do you not know his track record? Do you know everything is going to plan? Are you doing your part in crying out to him? Are you wasting your breath crying out to the masses? Are we doing what God's called us to do? Because I believe God is up to much. Man. The leak this last week, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I want to talk about it for a moment. <laughs> the last three or four years, okay, in, I don't get political, but when it comes to abortion, this is why I'm bald. I've scratched my head my entire life. I don't understand how is this even allowed? How is this even an okay thing? You know, I hear the arguments. They're not even logical. You know, right to life, my body, what about the other body, the other life? It just, there's no logic whatsoever. Especially as a believer, you read the scriptures and you understand God's take on it real, real quick. But with the craziness going on for 50 years in our country, I don't even know how that ever even got through in the first place. If things do get overturned, well, praise the Lord. But the reality is, guys, we live in a fallen world. You know? Should we not be seeing the crazy that's around us? And what is the hope? What is the... It's Jesus. He came to give life and life abundantly. And unless a person comes to know Jesus, they're not going to have right perspective. We are going to be very selfish and live for self. That's the way we're wired. That's our falling condition. That's our sin. So over the last few years, I've been seeing some things fall into place. And it's just like, hey, this is kind of cool. Things may be changing and things might be changing. That's great. In this last week, the first thing that came through, I'm starting to see all this stuff and people are rallying. Hey, this is exciting. This could be a really good thing. Part of my heart rejoiced. But in the same moment, I'm just like, hey, what if we gain this whole world and we lose our soul? I'm like, this is a huge thing in our country, but it's not the thing. 
And we can make so much about that thing, and yet people are dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. That's where the Holy Spirit took me immediately. What matters? Man, we need to get the gospel out. That's our hope. That's the hope. I've had a few women over the years come and think about getting an abortion. I didn't look them in the eye and say, that's wrong. The first thing I did, you know what God has? Do you know what he says about children? I laid out the gospel. This is what matters. This is what matters for you and your baby and your child. This is what God has for you. That's what we get to share with this world, guys. There's sin all around us. There is so much wrong in our world. And what trumps all of it? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where true hope is. That's where people are going to find what they're looking for. That's the freedom we all long for. It's in Jesus. So, I want to encourage you guys. Don't be like me. Don't be like Moses. Don't be crying out to the world. Cry out to God. You see, when we're stuck in a sinking, like this sinking bad situation, we need to remember that God is at work. Though times can be met with faith and overcome with God's promised presence, right? Well, I guess it's okay to get angry with God because as the story continues, God doesn't get angry at Moses but helps him to understand. Look at verse 1 in chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will deliver them out of his hand. Okay? Is your hope in God? Or is your hope in politics? Or that person? That thing? If this just happens, then we'll finally arrive. Our hope needs to be in God. And that's what I see here in verse 1, guys. The Lord's making this very clear. He's the one who's going to do this. Do you guys understand that he's the one? You know, if we could do it, <laughs> he would tell us, hey, you do it. But what do we do? We mess it up. That's what we're good at. I also remember, <clears throat> I think we all need to remember here, guys, it's Pharaoh, not God, who is the reason for the Hebrew suffering. Do you guys understand that? Because in this, we all have free will, don't we? We all have choices, and some of us just make some really dumb, poor choices. And here, this is an evil man. That's why suffering's going on. You know, we look at a war going on between Russia and Ukraine right now. It's just because of stupid, evil men. That's it, okay? God, how are you allowing this? Why would you let this happen, God? No, <laughs> sinful, evil people that don't know Jesus. That's what's going on. So, we need to remember, guys, God could have freed all his people with one word. Doesn't our God have the power to do that? You guys recall when he returns one day? The battle of Armageddon, all the nations are going to come against him. Satan and all his little minions are going to be there too. 
Doesn't Jesus just speak a word and <laughs> battle one? Right? It's nothing for God. So he chose for them to suffer before being redeemed. How many of you guys have come to the Lord when you were in a season of just, you're hitting rock bottom? You were suffering, going through it. So often people come to Jesus when they're finally broken. Why? Because God's near the brokenhearted. Some people never seek God when things are good. I'm comfortable. I don't need you, God. Often, guys, suffering comes before redemption. So, I think it's good to remember that. I think it's also everything is going according to plan needs to come back into play here again, right? God, everything's going according to plan. So let's take a look at the promise here. Moses, it's about me, right? That's his mentality. So in the first eight verses here of chapter six now, God himself is the promise. Catch this, verse one. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh for with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land and God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I've also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I've remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Moses, <laughs> place no more hope in Pharaoh. Moses, do you still think Pharaoh might be sympathetic to what's going on? Moses, are you still trusting in your own abilities to accomplish this? Forget about it. You shall now see what I will do. Isn't this a cool passage of scripture, guys? Watch out what God's going to do. You see, when all human help has failed and the soul exhausted and despairing has given up hope from man, God draws near and says, I am. I am. You guys know that? He is the great I am. Watch what he will do. Sometimes as a pastor, <clears throat> most pastors have a servant's heart. I want to serve. I want to help people. What can I do? Okay. The longer I've been in ministry and I have a heart to serve people, it's discerning what God is asking me to do because I just want to help everybody. And I know a lot of you guys are the same way. You just see needs. What can I do? 
But there's times where God asks you, you just need to step back. (laughs) Pray. Pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. Because I am going to do something. I'm at work. It's not you. It's me. And that's why we need to be praying. And God may use us to be a part of that process, and that's what we have to be open to. Okay? But we also need to be discerning when to say no and when to say, okay, Lord, I'm on board. I'll help. I'll be a part of this. And I love it because here, what do they have left? They're in bondage, crazy slavery. They see no way out. Man, this is hard. We are suffering. Okay? We got a daily quota. Got to do, do, do. Work, work, work. There's a big difference, guys, as we look at verses 3 to 5 here, between knowing the God who made the covenant, speaking of the patriarchs, versus knowing the God who fulfilled the covenant, Moses. So the difference between making the making God and the keeping God. And then if we look at verses 6, 7, and 8, did you guys catch the I wills there? Seven times. Seven times. Seven in the Bible is complete. <laughs> perfect. God said the perfect amount of times, I will. This is perfect. It's me. Okay, I'm going to do this. So, and I love it because if you actually dig in and you study out this word in the Hebrew, I will, the tense is actually past. God's already done it. I have. I will. It is certain. Okay, it's a certainty. So God still says to you this morning, I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. He wants to bring you out of your sin. He wants to deliver you from the broken spirit Okay, that's in bondage. He wants to rescue you and redeem you and to give you freedom today. That is our God. That's why it's beautiful to proclaim the gospel. Why? Because our Jesus came to set us free. That's why he came. And anyone who trusts in him, puts their faith in him, will be set free. And he also said, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. So he wants to give you a new identity. How many of us walked in rebellion, disbelief, Atheism, I don't even know if there is a God. Okay? And if there is, I don't like the idea of a God, so I'm going to suppress the truth and I'll worship these other things instead or even worship self because, hey, I'm all-knowing. I have it all together. We're really good at doing that. But what does God do when we finally surrender to him? I'm a new creation. I got a new identity. I'm a child of the king. My dad is God Almighty. (laughs) Think about that. How rad. And then verse 9, guys, now you'd expect a rally cry here, <laughs> but don't look at it yet, okay? In uh, verse 9, okay, look at verse 9. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of the anguish of spirit and the cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them the commandment for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So in verse 9, guys, the first part of this verse, you might be upset at the people here. 
They miss both the message and they miss the messenger. But the second part of the verse, hopefully your empathy uh, gene kicks in here because this is real brokenness. Real brokenness here. Broken, shortened spirits. Okay, The state of needing something that is absent or unavailable. So it is something that can't breathe. There's a shortness of breath. It's like little children sobbing and they're crying and gasping so hard just to breathe. You ever have hear one of your kids crying that hard? That's what, that's what is being indicated here with the children of Israel. So the Hebrews, they were stuck. They were enslaved by slavery. Their very chains were what prevented them from hearing the cry of freedom. Some of us find ourselves in bondage and maybe for a long time and you can't hear the voice of God. You can't hear truth. How long, how long I've sat with many, not just for weeks, but some for months, and they're caught, they're enslaved to their sin, and they just can't hear the truth. Even though the truth is being spoken, they can't receive it, they can't hear it. So, I want us to note, guys, God doesn't dismiss them here. Did you guys catch that? If anything, if God is patient with Pharaoh, won't he be patient with you? Especially in your hurt? I would say so. Don't we have a good God? I mean, this is our God. This is the one and true living God. He hasn't changed, guys. Okay? His heart is the same. So men's prayer yesterday. There's a little bit of talk of going home. There's a little bit of conversation of the rapture. Come now, Lord. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but there is a longing that we have. We know this is not our home. We're just passing through. We can't wait to be with Jesus face to face. I think of Jonah in the scriptures. He said, hey, I wish to die, Right? I wish death for myself, he says. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. We have the great prophet Elijah. He prayed that he might die. A lot of you guys know my hero in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. I want to share with you guys 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, where Paul said, hey, we are so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. That is the word of God. Yeah, we want out of here. <laughs> we want to go home. But let me tell you what, guys, we're here still for a reason. God has numbered our days. And as long as we have breath in our lungs, man, we are to praise him and we are to share him. Amen. That's what we get to do. Yeah, it may be rough and you might feel like dying. You might not want to do it, but you get out of bed. and You do what God has called you to do. So we learn from the times of discouragement. And in that, it gives us depth. Okay. I can tell you guys I've grown a lot in seasons of hardship. 
of discouragement, of depression. Depth is formed. Maturity takes place when you choose to heed the word of God, when you listen to his voice. You're not listening to what they're saying or even what you may be saying. I don't know about you guys, but I speak a lot of lies to myself. That's why I'm so thankful I have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Wait, hold on, son. <laughs> That's not true. This is what I have said. This is what I think. All right, let's fly through the rest of this chapter. Actually, real quick, verse 12, I want to talk about these uncircumcised lips for a moment. You guys know that this is used figuratively, right? Impure, unsanctified, not holy, not separate under the Lord, Okay. I'm a sinner, is what Moses is saying. It's interesting, guys, because Moses' first objection was, I'm not eloquent, right? Can't use me, God. <laughs> Who am I? I can't speak. And then his second objection now is, hey, I'm such a sinner. I'm such a sinner. You know, if <clears throat> on me being called to be a preacher, a teacher of God's word was based on my holiness on whether I've sinned or not, I would have never been able to preach one sermon ever. Do you guys understand that? It's not about us. It's about God. So the believer's problem, it's not a sin problem. Surprised? <laughs> Believers, you've been forgiven of your sins on the cross. Am I correct? Okay. You've been washed clean. That's what the Bible's... You might... Feel dirty, but God has declared you holy. That is the truth of the scriptures, okay? It's an unbelief problem. Unbelief. And what do we miss out on because of unbelief? Wow. <laughs> we stay in bondage. We stay shackled. There is no exodus. Now, guys, verse 13 well, I know you're a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. <laughs> but that doesn't qual or disqualify you. Get back in the ring. I know so many people, I'm sidelined. <laughs> I blew it. I'm a sinner. I can't do it. Well, great. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> Get back in the game. That's what God's calling you to. Okay? Now, let's wrap up. There's a long genealogy. I'm going to try to fly through this quickly in verse 14. It talks about the 12 tribes of Israel here. These are the heads of the fathers' houses. Okay, you guys remember Reuben, firstborn of Israel. There were Hanak, Palu, Palu Hezra, Kemri. Uh, these are the families of Reuben and the sons of Simeon, Jamul, Jamin. That would be a cool name. Ohad, Jachin, Zoar, Shaul, the son of the Canaanite woman. And these are the families of Simeon. And these are the names of the sons of Levi. Okay, now Levi was the priestly tribe, okay, the ones in the service to the Lord, according to their generations, Gershon, Koath, and Merai, in the years of the life of Levi, they were 137, and the sons of Gershon were Libni and Shimei, according to their families, and the sons of Kohath were Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Azul. In the years of the life of Koath, they were 133. And the sons of Merai were Malai and Mushi. And these are the families of Levi according to their generations. Now, Amram, he took for himself Jochebed, the father's, his father's sister, as wife. And she bore him Aaron 
and Moses. So this is why it's being laid out, giving them, hey, we are of the tribe of Levi, okay? And the years of the life of Amram, they were 137. Now the sons of Ishar were Korah and uh, Napeg and Zikri, and the sons of Zul were Mishael, uh, Elisphan, and Zithri. Aaron took for himself Elishabah, daughter of the Nimidadab, sister of Nashon, as wife, and they bore Nadab. Abayu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, and the sons of Korah were Azar, Eklanah, and Abishbeth. These are the families of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, he took himself uh, one of the daughters of Petul for wife, and he bore him Phineas. Phineas is the grandson of Aaron, and Aaron and Phineas are the only two priests in the Bible that have eternal blessings, which is kind of cool. I have a son named Phineas Aaron. <laughs> um, anyways, these are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites according to their families. Verse 26, the same Aaron and Moses... To whom the Lord said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel of Egypt. And these are the same Moses and Aaron. So Moses here in Aaron's family tree is suddenly dropped right in the middle of this story. Okay, It was to identify them in their prominent position and representatives of the people and thus having the authority to do so and what they're called to do here. So wrapping up, verse 28, 29, and 30 here. And it came to pass on the day of the Lord when he spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? Oy vey. For a man who complained that he couldn't speak, Moses has a whole lot to say here, guys. Actually, this is the end of Moses' unbelief in this area. Where Exodus moves forward, he's going to be a man of faith, stepping out. Even some crazy stuff, he's going to be asked to go and speak and to do, and he just obeys. Does he do it all rightly along the way? No. <laughs> but he is doing in faith, and it's beautiful. I have one minute. I want to honor our kids. Um, there's a lot of things I wanted to speak to you guys this morning in regards to chapters 5 and 6 here. But I just want to leave you guys with an exhortation and hopefully to encourage you maybe to do something you haven't done before. How many days did the Lord want the children of Israel to go away and to worship him? Three days. I'd ask you guys to make that a priority in your life. Let it be a regular practice just to get away for three days. <laughs> but pastor, I have, I have work. Work, work, work. I got bricks to make. Daily quotas to get done. It is good to seek the Lord, guys. It is good to seek the Lord. In the last couple of months, I had an opportunity to get away three different times. Well, it must be nice as a pastor to have the time to go and pray and seek the Lord like that. That was a priority before I was ever in ministry, guys. Every job I had, I'll be your best employee. 
I have to have Sundays and Wednesdays off or Wednesday evenings. Worship is a priority in my life. I have to be there. I enjoyed vacation time. How many of you guys enjoy your vacations? Yeah. I use vacation times. It's going to be time to go seek the Lord and to worship him. I'm not trying to throw a trip and get legalistic. This is what you need to do. What I'm doing is encouraging guys, do whatever you need to do to make a priority of worshiping and seeking the Lord to go speak with him. Did you guys catch there in verse 22? I told you guys I like that verse. Moses returned to the Lord. There's sometimes there's a lot of crazy going on. The people are tripping out. What does the Lord say? Return to me. You don't even have to talk with them. <laughs> I'm doing my thing. Everything's going according to plan. You come and you talk to me. So I want to encourage you guys. Make time just to go. Pray. Be still before the Lord. Hear what he has to say. It's a good practice to do. Maybe fast and pray during that time. It is good to seek the face of God. Guys, he's up to much. And it's good to know what he's up to, isn't it? So hear the voice of God. Seek him, okay? He wants to set us free because I believe in those times of worship, okay? We're going to come back and we're going to approach the daily grind, the daily quotas with a little bit different perspective, with different purpose. Because, yeah, God has called us to things and we need to be faithful in them, but are we doing them in the way God's asked us to do it? Amen? We'll stand to our feet. We'll close in prayer. Yeah, God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the truth of it. We know it's right and it's good. Just thank you for how straightforward these couple chapters are for us. How we're able to see big picture things. <laughs> how we see how eternity plays into our lives. and How your truth, Lord, is to guide us. And we want to be those who have ears to hear. I pray that you give wisdom to my brothers and sisters. How to creatively carve out time. That they can really purposely um, just get away with you. To be in prayer. To hear you speak to them. God, we all need that, especially when we're going through the hard things in life. I do pray that your Holy Spirit would just be at work. God, that we'd be trusting and looking to you in the midst of it all. Thank you so much, Father, again for this morning, this Sunday. Again, thank you for these moms. I pray you bless our sisters. We're so grateful for them. God, just thank you for how you use um, yeah, mothers to just love and to teach and really are such a great picture of uh, how you love. Lord, I know they don't do it perfectly like you, but uh, we definitely see through them just your tender care and uh, your mercy and love and just being there. Thank you so much. So please go before us this week. God, we commit just all into your hands. We know that you know best. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.